It is uh, uh, what a privilege to get to be here and get to uh, stand behind the pulpit and share God's word. Interesting how God works in, um, well, I'll go ahead and get into it. Tonight or this morning, I'd like to talk to you about uh, being a pinball or a wrecking ball. Being a pinball or a wrecking ball, and I will tell you right up front that the choice is yours. You can be either one of those. But the text I'd like to read from today is found in, uh, and I've got this completely backwards, it is found in the uh, Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verses 11 through 14. Let me get these set up, and I'll begin reading that. Hebrews, if you would turn in your Bibles again to Hebrews 5, we'll start with verse 11, read through 14, and then read chapter 6, verse 1, if I can get them out here. And here we go. Okay, Hebrews 5, 11. About this we have much to say. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though, by the, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. The purpose, uh, but solid food, is for mature and those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and from faith toward God. Now, as I say that when he says, my my whole thought this morning, or one of the thoughts is, the main thoughts is, let us move on to maturity. Let us move on to maturity. But when he says it, and when the writer of Hebrews is saying that, he says that we are to leave, what does he say, that we're going to leave those, the foundational principles. He doesn't mean that we're going to abandon those. He just means that we're going to grow on those. We want to move forward. We want to move past just, I mean, salvation, my goodness, that's the foundation of why we're here. That's the foundation of baptism and water, but you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All the different foundational pieces are so, so important. And he's not saying to abandon those. He's saying we want to build on those. We want you to build on those. We want to we grow in the Lord. We want to get, um, again, deeper and deeper into, uh, into the Word and deeper and deeper into a relationship with God. So what about the pinball and the wrecking ball? Where do they come into play? Well, let's, first of all, let's talk about a pinball. And a pinball is, if you've, I don't even know. I haven't been in an arcade in a while. Do they still have pinball machines? I know everything's electronic. I don't know if they still have those. But yeah, okay, so you pull the little lever and the ball shoots out, the little round metal pinball shoots out, and it goes around and bounces back from target to target and from kind of, and makes sounds and it makes noise, and that's about what it does. So a pinball machine used to be great when we were growing up, but when you think about the pinball itself, what effect does it really have? So what impact does it really have? Well, a a pinball um, will bounce from target to target, but it's kind of random. It doesn't have any sense of where it's going. It doesn't have any purpose. It's just bouncing back and forth. And if you think of the pinball, too, the pinball really doesn't have any impact. It's in this board that has a glass on top of it, and it's bouncing from piece to piece, but it doesn't really affect those. In fact, it stays in those boundaries. It can go outside of those boundaries. It's just a pinball. It is, uh, in fact, it's very reactive. It's all about being reactive. It's not, it's reacting to whatever it hits, but it doesn't ever really do anything. 
So then let's talk about the wrecking ball. The wrecking ball is a little bit different. The wrecking ball is a big, round, huge ball, and it is used literally to destroy things. So it is used, so you're going to, they have a big crane, it has a, uh, you know, uh, and it's going to swing this wrecking ball, and it's going to go into a building, and the building's going to be crashed, and the building's going to come down. It may swing into a wall, and the wall is going to crash, the wall's going to come down again. Whatever it is, this wrecking ball is going to destroy it. So when you think about a wrecking ball versus a pinball, where a pinball has very little impact, the wrecking ball changes everything. It has a very specific purpose. It has a very specific direction. It is going one way, and it is changing things. Not only does it tear down the wall or the building, but it also opens things wide up where there are no more boundaries. There's no more limitations because it's gone. You can just see Every single thing. So when I'm talking about a wrecking ball and a pinball, I really ask, and I want to ask you, which do you want to be? If you think of a, if you think of a pinball, you think of this verse, Ephesians 4.14 says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or craftiness and deceitful schemes. And if you th- if you th- again, no more chilling. So if you think of today, think of how good the devil is at what he does. I don't want to give him a lot of credit this morning, but he is really crafty. And he is very good at deceiving people. In fact, he deceives us in the church if we don't watch out. If we don't have that relationship with the Lord, if we don't stay in prayer, if we don't Stay in the word. We can pretty, I mean, we can be led astray just like anybody else. Just don't think because that you stay in this, you're at this church, even if you're here every time the doors are open, that you can't be deceived because we can if we remain children. If we're always reacting to one thing, if we have no purpose, but we're just bouncing back and forth, man, the devil can have his way with us. So this morning we're saying, let us move on into maturity. When I think about that, I think of Matthew, the 16th chapter in verse 18, where it says, uh, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says, I tell you, you're Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I thought, man, that's what I want to be. I want to be the wrecking ball. I want to be the, the tool that God uses to work through me to change things, to tear down walls, to tear down those, the things in people's lives that have kept them from serving the Lord, or kept them from knowing God, have kept them from even growing in the Lord. Lord, help us to, be, to want to be that wrecking ball where we have a purpose, we have a direction, and we're moving forward. I, I, I thought this morning, we, I love it that we have the kids in here, and I always love seeing the kids. And I will tell you, uh, I, I can't see anybody right now, but Laylee... Sullivan and Kalen Miller preached their first sermon in the last month or so, last couple of months. So we got young people in our church who are already taking on those wrecking ball characteristics. Thank the Lord for the young people in our church. Thank the Lord for the, hey man, hey man, I loved it. And I mean, they stood up here under the anointing and they preached it and it was awesome. And I'm saying, yeah, that is fantastic. Thank you, God. They're already in their lives. So already they're growing, already they're maturing. So adults, what about us? What about us? God is looking for men. And I really, I, I wish, and I've prayed more than any sermon I have ever delivered, more than any time I've stood before anybody, I prayed, God, please speak to the people like you spoke to me. 
Now, pastor says that, but anytime somebody preaches the message that they preach, they get it first. They get it first. So God has just me, hit me head on with this. In fact, even before the pastor asked me to preach, God was dealing with me about this. Let us move on to perfection. Let us move on to maturity. So then he asked me to preach, and then not long after that, uh, Pastor Melissa Patella comes. She does a revival, and she almost preaches my sermon the last night. I, I came up and said, what are you doing? No, I didn't. I, so I actually showed her my text, and she said, you know, she said, Doug, that's just a confirmation. So as we're sitting here this morning, there's a message that I needed to hear, that I needed to hear. So I hope as you're listening, and I hope as, again, I'm just saying, oh, God, just use me to flow through. Just simply use me to throw, flow through. So let's hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches, because he's looking for a man. He's looking for women. He's looking for boys and girls who will move on to maturity this morning. Amen. So I got some quotes here. So if you are a person who has a flair for the arts, this is a quote that I'll, I'll throw out to you. And this is by a John, it's by John Greenleaf Whittier, and he is an American poet. And he said, for all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. For all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. Man, if Doug, if Pastor Doug would have only surrendered his life completely. He went to church, served God his whole life, been in ministry, did different things. But if he had only given his life completely, think what might have happened. I can't imagine saying that. Oh, my goodness, God, don't let me ever say that. What might have been, it might have been. Think of that. So this morning, again, let's, let's go beyond where we are. Let's go on. Let's move on to maturity again. I don't want to say those sad words, man, what might have been. So if you're a person who is a sports fan, I have a quote for you as well. And that is uh, by Wayne Gretzky, who is arguably the best hockey player of all time. And he said that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Are you stepping out in faith? Are you getting a little closer to God? Are you letting the Holy Spirit work through you? So I'm sitting there last night, and I'm out on my back deck, and I'm swinging in the swing, and I'm thinking about the sermon, and, and the Holy Spirit starts dealing with me. And he said, uh, you need to call this guy. I've never called this guy before in my life. Uh, actually don't know him real, real well. But Holy Spirit says, God, you need to call, or Doug, you need to call him, and you need to encourage him. So I sat a little bit longer, and then the Holy Spirit continues to do this. So it took me a little while. So I got on the phone, and I called him. And I said, hey, this is Pastor Doug. Not even know if he knew who I was if I said I was Doug. So I said, this is Pastor Doug from Christ Point. Just wanted to call you and let you know, love you, encourage you, and I've been praying for you. You've been on my heart, been on my mind. I'm thinking, and it got off the phone, and I was so uplifted, and I believe he was encouraged, and I was encouraged. I even got to pray for him. It was awesome on the phone. It was just so good, and God just... But I thought, I got off the phone and was excited about it, but then I thought, God, how many times did I not take the shot? Did you speak to me? And who was out there that needed to hear a word that didn't get to hear a word of encouragement because I didn't take the shot? So this morning, I want us to think about this, and I want us to think about taking the shot. I want us to think about um, 
doing it, to stepping out in faith. And then for all the people who like to learn, for those of you who like to go to school, you like to read, you like to, you're, uh, the, I'll say, the brains in, the, in the, uh, the church this morning, I also have a quote from Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein said, a ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what it's made for. A ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what it's made for. It may look really, really, really pretty. It may look really cool, but who's getting anywhere on it? (laughs) What progress is being made if it remains in the shore? So we can, I was thinking about that, and and I'm really a believer, and I think it's true. I, I, I will tell you, I'm a big believer in Hebrews 10.25 when it says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, especially since the day is approaching. I believe that. I believe when the doors open, you should be here. I'm going to be here. My whole life I've done this. So that's just simply a a life philosophy. So I believe that's true. And I'm so thankful we have. And I'm so thankful. Look at this crowd this morning. It's awesome. So glad that each and every one of you are here. Glad you're in the house of God. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm not saying, I mean, worship has been great. Pastor Sean, the worship team has been great. It's awesome. But it's not all in here. That's not what God has called us for. The Great Commission, go ye therefore into all the world. Let's get outside of this building. Go outside of this building. Take God outside of this building. Let's minister outside of this building. So this morning I thought, oh God, help us. And and again, so thankful for your faithfulness, and I believe in faithfulness, but there's more than that. We've got to move beyond just the... Uh, just come to church on the, again when the doors are open. Not that that's bad. That's a great thing. We need to do it. But again, there is more. Then the last quote I like to quote is from none other than Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus said in John 9, 4, he said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because the night cometh when no man can work. I must work while I can. Folks, uh, been around a long time, been in this a long time, and I know you've heard, too, the coming of the Lord, the different things are going to happen, the rapture of the church taking place. I've got to believe, well, it's closer than it ever was. <laughs> and if you look at, the, look at the, the way the world is going, it's like, oh, my goodness, how much time do we have to work? The fact of the matter is all of us have an appointment. It's appointed unto man once to die. We're all going to die. We're either going to leave this world by way of the grave or by way of the rapture, one of the two. But before then, we need to work. We need to work. We need to grow up. God is calling us to grow up. And as I say this in this, this scripture where it says, it talks about, you know, in Hebrews, and it talks about let us move on to perfection. A lot of time that is used for reproof or maybe even correction. But I don't think that's what the Holy Spirit wants to say. I think what the Holy Spirit wants to say this morning is you got a window of opportunity, guys. Price point, you've got this window of opportunity to prepare to grow, to move on to maturity. So God help us that we do that so when that time comes, that we'll be ready. That we will be ready. So work while the work comes. And I will say it, and I, I love this little quote, if not now, when? If Doug Spears isn't willing to surrender his life fully to God and commit his, full, his life fully to God, when will he be? 
And I'll ask you that very same question. Put your name in there. When are you going to be willing to literally give your heart, your life, and your soul to Jesus and allow him to work through you? Allow him to be that that change agent through you where lives are literally snatched out of the devil's hell. When are we going to do it? Look at the world that's collapsing all around us. It's gone crazy. Um, Crazy, 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 crazy. So if not now, when? Um, Pastor Melissa Patello, so revival, I'll just go back to that. She was talking about the church, and she said this. This is a quote. She said, we are a company of faith in a world of unbelief, unyielded, undivided, and unfrayed. I like that. We are a company of faith in the world of unbelief. You got all this nonsense around us, and then here's the church. Planted right smack dab in the middle of it. For his glory, to do his work, nothing else matters. We have to live, we have the jobs, we have all those different things, but what really matters in life is what we're doing for Christ, how Christ is working for us, our, uh, what we're doing for him and what he is doing in and through us. She went on to say, in this company, God is glorified and people are edified and the devil is terrified. I just about shouted. Well, I think I did when she said that. That's awesome! In this church, in this company of believers, think about that. So this morning, I tell you what, I believe that God was just soaking it up. When we're saying, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. I could just about shout right now. I believe God was just saying, yeah, that's my children. That's my children. I'm getting the glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't you feel his presence? Don't you feel that anointing? Right here, right now, in this place, people are being edified. As the word of God goes forth, as we meet together, people are being edified. As we meet on the streets with people and we share Christ with them, people are being edified. And the devil is terrified. (laughs) Come here, Connie. Okay, this young lady has been with me now 41 years. So before we came this morning, we, uh, we prayed. We prayed, God, I pray that you would just send an anointing that destroys the yoke. I pray that lives would be changed. I pray that souls would be touched. I pray that Jesus would be lifted up and God would be glorified. And the devil was terrified. Do you know how afraid he is of the two of us together? Man, the word says, if two agree is touching anything, it shall be done. And we agreed this morning. So this morning, you're going to be touched, like it or not. You're going to be touched because God said he was going to do it. Said he's going to do it. Now, let's stand over here. So now you put us two with these two. Oh, my goodness. You're talking about the demons tremble. You get a couple together with another couple. Then we put these three. Oh, my lens is getting good. This is good stuff. And God is on the throne and God is moving. And the devil is terrified because we are going to move on to maturity. We're not going to be satisfied with where we are. This world has gone crazy and we're going to get crazier for Jesus. We're going to move forward. We're not going to be satisfied with where we are right now. Praise the Lord. We're a company of believers. Unyielded. Unafraid. God is glorified. People are edified. And the devil is terrified. Uh, Pastor Ryan Richard. 
held a revival early on this year. And one of the things he said, and I won't forget it, is he was talking about, he said that I, uh, I almost, I wish I was born at another time. Right? Says, I think it might have been a mistake that I was born right now. Because, oh, man, <laughs> I don't fit in. You know, I, don't, I, I just don't, I don't fit in. So he's thinking, you know, maybe if I'd been born 20 years earlier, 50 years or earlier, or 100 years earlier, when the world wasn't quite, quite so uh, out of whack... And then he said, but no, we're born right now for a reason. Everyone in the sound of my voice, everyone in this building this morning was born for right now for a reason. I believe it was those things. I believe it was so that God can be glorified, the church can be edified, people can be edified, and the devil can be terrified. We were born for a reason, and right now, now for such a time as this, what you have, what God has given you right now, he wants to use for the people right now in this world. So we've got it. We've got that. I, man, I thought, wow, that is, that is awesome. And then one of my favorite uh, pastors, we actually went and visited him in Gainesville, uh, Georgia, when we went to Atlanta, and that is Jensen Franklin. He said uh, a couple of weeks ago before I was coming to church, he said that God has something very special for this generation. Because these are not normal times. Amen. Let's get you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. So, so not that I knew a lot in the 50s. But I have lived in the 1950s, the 1960s, the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and the 2020s. So I have lived in eight different decades. And I will tell you from someone who's been there, these are not normal times. The devil is working harder than he's ever worked. And the things that he used to do in secret, he now floods the airwaves with. He floods our lives with at every single turn. It's not like it was. So you know what I think the Holy Spirit is telling, the Holy Spirit is telling us today? What we have right now, and thank the Lord, wherever you are in your walk with God, wherever you are, it's not enough. It's not enough. He wants each and every one of us to grow. He wants each and every one of us to, to mature because things are not the way they were. Things are not normal anymore. But the good news is we can. Ah, the good news is we can. So we probably better get and talk about that. So... We need to grow. We need to mature. Uh, Matthew nine thirty seven thirty eight. He says that then the the harvest is harvest is plentiful. I'm sorry, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the kingdom. Lord, help us to uh, to be ready. Another verse, and it's a key verse that I don't want to miss. Is Second Chronicles sixteen nine, and it says, "For the Lord, uh, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him." The eyes of the Lord roam, and one of Scripture uh, a translation says, "The eyes of the Lord run to and fro, looking for somebody who's fully committed to Him, so He can so He can show Himself mighty through them." Do you feel? Don't you want that? Don't you want God to show himself mighty through the, oh, Lord, please help us, God, to get there. Help us to be where you want us to be.
Amen. So now let's talk about this whole idea of maturity. And we're talking about moving on to maturity, and we're talking about six men, six men uh, and their lives, and three things that they uh, allow them to move on to maturity. First of all, they were proactive. Second of all, they were prepared. And third of all, they were persevered. So let's talk about it. The first person I'd like to talk about is David. And I'm just going to go through. These are stories probably most of you have heard, but let's talk a little bit about them. And uh, so when David, I'll say that David didn't go to the battle to kill Goliath, but he did. Let me say that again. David didn't go to the battle to kill Goliath, but he did. David went to battle to take some food to his brothers and some cheese to the captains of the army. He had no idea what was going on. No idea. Church, we're waiting for this big spectacular moment, this big event, when just walking along in our lives, doing what we normally do, God wants to, he's given us opportunities literally to kill the giants. We sang it about this morning. David didn't go there to kill Goliath, but he saw an opportunity. He recognized an opportunity. And he said, is there not a cause? Walking through our daily lives every single day, let's look for opportunities. Let's recognize those opportunities that are there for us today. That's, you know, we're looking for that once in a lifetime big event where everything, you know, seven million people are together, whatever it is. When God is saying, I just want to work through you where you are. (laughs) On your way to the battle. And you see that giant, you say, hey, uh, he's mine. Is there not a cause? The very same thing is true if you're thinking about Daniel. Daniel didn't pray three times a day to shut the mouth of lions, but they were shut. David didn't pray three times a day to shut the mouth of lions, but they were shut. David prayed three times a day because that's what he did. That was part of his daily devotional. He wasn't trying to show it off. He wasn't up here in the church, and he wasn't... uh, I don't know if he's bowing on his knees or he wasn't up front and he wasn't saying, oh, dear God. And, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying anything. Like that. But oh, dear God, to be seen of man. He wasn't doing that. He didn't put himself in a position to be seen of man even then. They were just spying him out. He didn't pray three times a day to have the lions of, or the mouth of lions shut, but they were. Because the angel of God came down and he shut their mouths and they didn't have any power over him and they didn't hurt him in any way. But that wasn't what he was intending to do. But he recognized an opportunity. He saw an opportunity. So think of also three Hebrew uh, children that were part of his group, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The very same thing, if you want to talk about them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't choose not to worship the golden image to see the fourth man in the fire. But they did. They just took a stand. All they did was take a stand, which they had done multiple times before. Took a stand, said, I'm not going to bow down to the golden image. I'm going, not going to worship it. I worship God and God alone. And so what happened to them? They're in the middle of the fire, and, well, go back a little bit. King Nebuchadnezzar went crazy when they didn't worship the golden idol. What do you mean you're not worshiping the golden idol? He had brought them into his house. They, he had... He liked them, he had promoted them, but was furious that they didn't wash or worship the golden image. So he throws them in the fiery furnace, he heats it seven times, you know the story. The people who threw him in were even killed because of it, it was so hot. Goes in there, but, but uh, then Nebuchadnezzar is looking in the furnace with some of the other people, and they see the guys who were thrown in there bound, now we're walking around free, they're not bound. And also there was another one in the fire that looked like it was the son of man. 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took a stand. They got to be in the very presence of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Wow. It's a stand. They didn't do anything out of the way, didn't do anything they hadn't done uh, multiple times before. But yet, at this time, there was the opportunity. They recognized it, and they got to see the Son of Man, or Son of God, in the fire. Wow. Wow. Again, not doing anything outside of that. So in the last one we'll talk about is Joseph. And Joseph didn't interpret a dream to become second in command over Egypt. But he was. He did. He did become second in command. Joseph had, a, Joseph had quite a life, and he's one of my favorite men in the Bible. But again, he, uh, he interpreted a dream, but all he did was use the gift that God had given him. Now, this is where I, wanted, I really want to hit hold here in church. So, Christine, Portia, Crystal, every single one of you, all of us have been given gifts. All of us have something that we do that God has given us that we can do for Christ. It may be bake a pie. I love pies. <laughs> Bake me a pie. I don't, but every single, every single one of you in here has been given special gifts. John has been gifts, given special gifts ordained directly by God so that he can bless his church, God's church. He's given us all gifts. All he did, all he did, all Joseph did was simply use the gift that God had given him, and he was promoted to second high in the kingdom. What are we missing out on because we're not using the gifts that God has given us? Again, in this church, there's so much that's happening. Again, the craziness in the church, but there's so much that God wants to do. But it's going to require each and every one of us using the gifts that God has given us. And Logan, there was a gift talked about you not long ago in the service. But we've got to use those gifts. We've got to use those discs, but look what happened when he did. He was promoted to second high in the kingdom just simply because he used the gifts. So there again, they, uh, there's, the, there's the, the six. So let's talk about them again. This time, and I'll go quickly here. They were prepared. They were prepared. Okay, so not only uh, did they do what God had called them to do, but they were prepared. So Joseph... Uh, Let's go on. Well, in fact, we'll talk about two things. Two things that the, that the men did. They were prepared and they suffered testing and trials along the way. So they were persistent, okay? They were prepared and they were persistent. Let's go back to David. Before David killed Goliath, he killed the lion and the, and the bear. So we're sitting here. We're sitting on the chairs. We're sitting on the pews. We're waiting. Oh, God, I'm yours. Use me. Use me for your glory as I sit here on the pew. What about the lion? What about the bear? There are things to do right now where you are. There are things that we can do right now where we are. And the the sad thing is, if we don't do those, if we don't allow God to use us now, we're not going to be ready for the time that we had been waiting for. And you're not ready. You're not prepared. David was prepared for Goliath because he had killed the lion and he had killed the bear. 
where we are, church. Again, this is, this is for us, and I'm part of it because I'm the one who got hit with it first and probably hit with it most. Oh, God, help me to be prepared. Help me to do what I can do now. Help me to do what you call me to do right now where I am so that I'll be ready for whatever you send my way. Whatever comes my way. So Daniel uh, was prepared. Daniel, well, actually, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose right off the bat not to defile themselves with a portion of the king's meat. And I'm going to stop here. Can I stop on a soapbox for a while? So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the fiery furnace unscathed, went through the lion's den unscathed. But what they did first for preparation is when the king brought them into his palace, they said, I'm not going to eat your meat. I'm not going to partake of that. I'm going to stay true to my beliefs. I'm going to stay true. So I'm not going to eat that. This the story goes. They found favor, so they didn't have to eat it. They were actually found to be the smartest, the best of all the people that they brought in. So all those different things came about. But again, they were prepared because of that. Somehow, and this is kind of my soapbox, somehow the, the Scripture in Corinthians where it talks about to be separate and come, out, come ye out from among them, that's become like a dirty word or kind of a, we, we've somehow that has become negative. You know, I don't think that God is looking, God is not looking for his church to blend in, for people to blend in. He wants people to send in to the world. He does not want us to blend in with the world, but somehow we have got confused and that has been transferred. And I know you can say all types of different things, but my goodness, when we're walking out in the world, shouldn't we be different? When they see Lewis on the job, shouldn't he be different than the average, average normal guy who's out there cussing, drinking, whatever they're doing type situation? There should be, shouldn't the love that he has for people, shouldn't the caring as a boss, shouldn't that, shouldn't that be there? Somehow that's not bad. <laughs> so I'm here to say that's not bad. When we choose not to, to partake in those things, that's not bad. I can't tell you the number of conferences that I've gone to. Everybody's drinking. I mean, not just drinking, they're drinking drunken situation. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. I've had Christians tell me, oh, no, you need to, you know, it'll help them feel like they're, no, no. I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll share my testimony, not do it, and you share your testimony falling down drunk somewhere or drinking some prayer like that. Again, come ye out from among them. Be ye separate. Come on, church, let's look different than the world. Why on earth would they want what we have if we don't look different? My goodness, let's be the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of light, out of darkness in the marvelous light. Let's do that. Come on. Let's do that. Come on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did. They did. And then last, Joseph. So Joseph obeyed his father. So if you think of Joseph, uh, coat of many colors, father loved him but more than all of us other brothers and uh he had a dream all the different things that we've heard since bible school we've heard about the stories of uh you know he had a dream that his brothers would one day bow down to him and he told his brothers and they got mad and they were angry and all of that different stuff and that happened and it did so they were mad but they were out of way all the brothers were away but joseph and his dad told him says you need to go check on your brothers he could have said dad those guys hate me (laughs) 
You know, there's seven, eight of them, and they're going to just beat me to a pulp when I get out there because they don't like me type situation. But he didn't. He obeyed his father. This morning, part of that moving on to maturity is obeying the father. Just simply obeying the father. To obey is better than sacrifice. Just simply obey the So as we move forward, less like Joseph, let's obey the Father. And then last, the trials. And, the, and uh, there again, I, um, you know, we're, we're prepared. And all, we've talked about all the great things that have happened to these individuals, but they also went through struggles. So don't think for one moment, as you're moving toward maturity, that there's not going to be a struggle. Don't think for one moment there's not going to be a trial, but there is. But the good news is, is that we're on the winning team. We heard it. We sang about it today, that we have the victory through Jesus Christ. We have, you know, we're always more than conquerors type situations. So we have that. So we, we've got to think that, but we're going to suffer trials. Uh, David was ridiculed by his brother, the king, and his enemies. No one likes to be ridiculed. No one likes to be made fun of. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace. And Joseph was stripped of his coat, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, and was thrown into prison. Sound like a lot of fun, does it? But this we're talking about the guy who then became number two in the kingdom. So along the way, we don't know what's going to happen along the way, but we do know that God is with us. So this morning as we talk about that and we think about that, think about those things and think about moving forward. I'll ask you again. So, do you want to be a pinball, or do you want to be a wrecking ball? Or Jesus, where do you want to be? And I will tell you, it's not our dest- our, that our destiny is not determined by us, but is decided by us. So let me say that one more time. Your destiny is not determined by you, but is decided by you. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for every single one of our lives. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet. Well, he ordained each of us something. Each of us has, has a plan for each and every one of our lives. It's out there. It's just willing for us. Will we walk in it? Will we do what God has called us to do? And again, are we going to be a pinball, being reactive, or are we going to be proactive? Are we going to be prepared, and are we going to persevere? Uh, I didn't choose what God wants me to go. I didn't choose where I was born but I choose where I'm going to go, choose where and what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I can remember, and, and again, I'm, I go back to the revival, but with Sister Patilla, and when she was here, and she was, uh, oh my goodness, so anointed and so powerful. And I don't know, was it, was it Sunday night when she asked for people, just the call, to come up for the call? So we're back there, and this place was about, there's about this many people there, and the, there's a lot of people there for the revival. And I mean, this whole, do you remember? This entire area here, I mean, from one end to the other, was filled with people saying, yes, yes, God, I've called. I accept the call, whatever it might be. And, and that may, that's not necessarily, and everybody's not called to be a preacher, but I'm called maybe to, uh, to win my neighbor to the Lord. So, everybody, so everybody's up here, and, and thankful Lord for that. But as Pastor says, it was enough to get us to sign up. But now the question is, is will we show up? Are we going to move on? You know, I love those moments. I like revival. I love it 
when the Spirit's moving and God is just, he is showing himself mighty and uh, again, the anointing's there, the presence is there, and that's awesome. But it needs to go beyond here out those doors into our homes and into our workplaces, into the places where we have fun, our our, uh, areas of recreation. So this morning I asked that. You were, you know, we were, and I'll ask myself too, I was certainly ready right then, you know, to, to sign up, but will I persevere and will I show up? So I'm going to end with this. And this just is, is a call, uh, a poem. It says, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. As Christians, we have, been a, we have a different way of walking and a different way of talking. We don't give up, we get up. We don't shut up, we shout out. We don't run away, we run into the fray. Because the battle's been won by Jesus, God's Son, because God is our source and God sets our course. We walk in victory and power, minute by in, minute and hour by hour. Led by God under the Spirit's control, fully surrendered to Christ, the Savior of our soul. So we openly declare we accept the call and are committed to obedient and give God our all. We will not be satisfied with maintaining status quo, but as his word instructs, we will continue to grow. So this morning, I ask you, is that your cry? Is that your cry? Again, God has just been dealing with me so strongly in this area. And I've been in church my whole life. 50 years, literally 50 years, uh, serving the Lord. And he is calling. He said, Doug, are you fully committed? Are you fully committed? Can, I'm looking for somebody this morning. He's looking for people in this audience. He's looking for men. He's looking for women that will say, I'm going to fully commit so that he can show himself mighty through. It has nothing to do with me and you. <laughs> it's nothing about our, us. It's all about him. He's just looking for a vessel. He's just looking for a willing vessel this morning. How about it? One more time. And as I read this, think about, is this, is this where you are? Are you ready to say, we are in this world, but we're not of this world? As Christians, we have a different way of walking and a different way of talking. We don't give in, we get up. We don't shut up, we shout out. We don't run away, we run into the fray. Because the battle's been won by Jesus, God's Son, because God is our source and God sets our course. We walk in victory and power, minute by minute, hour by hour, led by God under the Spirit's control, fully surrendered to Christ, the Savior of our soul. So we openly declare we accept the call and are committed to be obedient, to give God our all. We will not be satisfied with maintaining status quo, but as His Word and His Holy Spirit has instructed today, we will continue to grow.